Good morning. My name is Pastor Carissa, um, as Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, not Pastor Dav, that's not his name. His name is Pastor Dave. As Pastor Dave had said, I'm the youth pastor here at Kalamazoo First. I've been on staff here for about a year um, and I've enjoyed every minute. Um, some of you families may recognize me as well because I've been helping Pastor Kevin out with the nurseries. So it's been a fun and exciting opportunity to see and get to know your little ones. Um, Cause so often I just get to know them when they're a little bit older. So it's been cool to see all of your families and just get to know your faces and get to love you guys. It's a joy and it's an honor. Um, so if you don't know a lot about me, I wanted to tell you a little bit about who I am. So I was born and raised in this church. A lot of you may actually truly know me because you've seen me grow up. And um, so it's just a joy and it's an honor. I got married uh, a little over a year ago, like a week over a year ago <laughs> to my husband, Noah. So we uh, have, joy have enjoyed uh, marriage in a pandemic. It's a very unique experience. People ask how long we've been married and we're like, hasn't it been like five years? And we're like, oh no, it's just been a year, but all of that staying at home certainly makes it feel like a little bit longer, but wonderful and joyous. No complaints, Noah. <laughs> um, but last week we actually announced that we are having a baby. So in November, um, we will have a little one, or as Papa Marty is hoping for, twins. Um, we will find out later this week if his wish comes true or not. I'm kind of either way. It might be fun, but whatever. Um, and then we also just graduated from North Point Bible College. Thank you. Yeah, so it's been a very exciting year. Lots of change, but lots of very cool things. Um, and I just wanna to say to those of you who have students in real, you really truly do have awesome human beings. They are the kindest, most genuine teens on this planet. I love hanging out with them. There are countless times throughout the week that my husband and I talk about a conversation that we had with one of your kids or ways that in which they blessed us with just showing up and being kind. Um, so things are going, very interesting for my first year of ministry, to say the least, having to do most of it online. But now that we're back in service, we've been diving into really unpacking what the Bible is. And these students are sharp. I have so much faith in this next generation and I fully believe in them. And I'm excited that I have awesome adults who pair and come alongside of me and come alongside you parents as well. Um, and so with that, I did wanna give a shout out to two of our leaders that we celebrated their last Wednesday night with us, Jared and Caitlin March, who just got married. You guys probably know Jared. He's played the keys here for a very long time. And they are headed out to Florida next week so that Caitlin can start her residency. And we will miss them terribly, but we are so excited for you guys and pray nothing but blessings to you guys. So yeah, give it up for Jared and Caitlin. Awesome, awesome, awesome humans. And at Real, we're just excited to continue through the summer. We have a lot of fun summer activities planned into connection and leading up to maybe, hopefully, a more normal school year next year. So it's an honor and it's a joy to be a pastor here on staff at K First and to serve you all. 
So with all of that lovely introduction now done, we're gonna be talking about the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son today. And before I dive in fully, I did wanna say that oftentimes the parables and the teachings of Jesus are far more nuanced than we often lead them to believe. So oftentimes you hear it or you read it in a book or a devotional or you read it for yourself in the Bible and you attach a meaning to it. And then when someone else talks about it, you kind of get confused. You're like, well, what does it truly mean if they're reading it and pulling this from it and this person saying this? So today I just want you to know that my goal is to talk about this parable and hopefully give you some thoughts and opinions on what it could mean. And then for what you guys need to do then is decide based on the, what it says, based on the context, and then based on where you're at in your own life, then marrying the two together to become more like Jesus. Because that's the ultimate goal of scripture is to read it and become more like Jesus. So as I'm talking, if what I'm saying doesn't quite resonate, but you're like, oh, I kind of think that this is what it means. Ultimately, if it challenges you to walk away from this time together, more like Jesus, that's the win. That's the goal. And that's what we're going for today. So you guys can go ahead and turn your Bibles or your phones or your eyes to the screen and we're gonna read the parable together in just a moment but I'm gonna pray first. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the time to come together to get to know you better, Lord. I ask that you give me clarity and sound mind. Lord, let the work that I have done resonate in the hearts of your people. Lord, and where I fall short, may your spirit work in and through the lives of your children. God, let your spirit work in and through me as I speak, and Lord, may we leave today shaped by your word and who you are to be more like you, amen. So one of the side effects of pregnancy is I get really short of breath <laughs> and uh, really thirsty all of the time. I drink water nonstop. So if I have to take a break and do that, it's not normally what I do while I'm speaking, but I literally need it, so. Pardon me for just one moment. So have you guys ever been betrayed by someone? It seems like we're very intrigued by betrayal. It's some of what we look for in literature and in movies. Like if you're reading a book and there's not some sort of betrayal or if you're watching a movie and there isn't a betrayal or a twist in the plot line, it's kind of not worth reading or watching, right? At least that's how I feel. So when I think of literature and some of the betrayals, I think of Brutus in the classic Julius Caesar, or I think of Edmund Pevensey in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Emily gets it, or um, the classic Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, right? These are betrayals that are evident, or maybe you're not a literature person, you're just kind of like, Okay, sounds like you read a book or two, that's pretty cool. But there are betrayals in movies as well, right? Uh, my husband and I are watching the Marvel movies together, yeah. We'll go again, we've seen them both, like all of them, but we're watching them together 
Um, so who remembers the first time you saw that Loki, sorry, spoiler alert, betrays Thor in the Thor movies? Like over and over again, this guy just keeps doing it. Or um, for all the parents in the room, how shook were you when you found out Hans was a bad guy in Frozen? The utter betrayal. Or in the classic, The Princess Bride, Prince Humperdinck, what a little betrayer. I do not, I have things to say, right? And these are all funny little betrayals. And there are even little things that happen in our own lives in which we feel betrayed. Um, How about when you're watching Netflix and you're on the binge and it pops up with the screen that says, are you still watching? I'm like, don't judge me, okay? I put aside my day to binge this entire series. I don't need you to remind me that I should go take a walk, right? (laughs) Like that's a betrayal. Or how about if you're watching something with your spouse and you go to watch the next episode, but you see that red line and it says, watch again. And you look at them and you say, you watched it without me, didn't you? And they go, oh, well, well, I was just go watch it again. The betrayal, (laughs) like honestly, or one that uh, Noah and I encountered is when he said, go Buckeyes for the first time in front of my true blue family. We, We were not engaged at the time. And I thought, I rethought everything, but he assured me, It was just a joke, so I'll allow it, I guess, right? But these are funny little betrayals in life that can happen. But there are also the really not funny betrayals in life. And they're the ones that I don't need to list because I'm sure if you think about it, you can think of the name or the person that really deeply hurt you at some point in your life. And that experience of betrayal left you very hurt, probably with a lot of anger. Refusal to forgive probably came to your surface. And maybe you dealt with resentment dwelling beneath your surface. It's interesting because I feel like as much as we're attracted to betrayal in literature and books, when it happens in life, we have a really hard time forgiving. You know, the question is, why do we as humans find it so hard to forgive those who have betrayed us? You see, the Bible is filled with many stories of betrayal. In fact, the parable of the prodigal son that we're gonna talk about today is an example of a story in which betrayal is easily seen within the text. So I'm going to read the text, Luke 15, 11 through 32. It is a little bit long. You can follow along in your Bibles, you can read it on your phone, or you can sit back, relax, and listen as I read it to you. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country 
and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So we talked about betrayal, right? And now I want to look at the betrayal that is found within this text. And the first and obvious one is the younger son that was present in this story. So he asked for his inheritance and he left. He pieced out, he said, nope, I gotta go, right? And now for us to talk in our time, in our culture today, we don't have the same time or we're not living in the same time and we don't have the same culture and the same understanding of what this truly meant. So for the younger son to ask his father for his inheritance before the father had passed away was basically wishing his father dead. It was a betrayal of the life that his father had provided. He was basically saying to him, I don't care if you live, 
Just give me the money, give me the land so that I can go. So there's already that level of betrayal, but then furthermore, communities were a lot different back then, right? They joke and they say, and it's an antidote now that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but in the, back in these times, that truly was what it was. It was a village of people. The community came together. So then in the text, when it says that he went to a far off country, he is betraying the community. And for us, this is really hard because we encourage young people to go out and experience the world, to take the values that we've instilled in them and share them and learn from other people. But in this day and time, not only was he telling his father, I don't care if you live or die, just give me my money. He was telling the community in which he was raised, I don't need what you guys taught me, I'm gonna go. And then furthermore, to take the money and to leave, but then to spend it on drinks, parties, women, it was a betrayal, a deep, deep betrayal to his father and his community. But the younger son isn't the only betrayer in this story. You see, we need to look at the older son as well. And now it can be confusing because you might be saying, how is the older son a betrayer in this story? He didn't ask his father for money. He stayed and he worked in the fields. He did everything right. He was confused when he came home and there was a party happening in the middle of the week. He had done everything right. But you see, it's in his humanity that the older son became the betrayer. He stood outside of the party after coming home from a long day of work. And yes, he was tired and yes, he was exhausted. But as he stood outside, he became angry and he refused to participate. And in his refusal became a resentment towards his younger brother. Of course, the feelings are valid. Who wouldn't be mad when someone left, disrespected your family, your community, went out and spent all the money and then came back and your dad throws him a party? Like that doesn't make sense. So his reaction is deemed as normal, but his response, his anger and his resentment show the betrayal that he had to both of his brother and his father. So now you're like, okay, Pastor Carissa, this is a real good message. You pointed out betrayal, <laughs> like awesome. But, but what's the good part? Where's the resolve? You guys are so smart for asking. You guys really know what you're talking about, right? So both brothers betrayed the father, the younger in his actions, but the older in his heart in his mind and with his words. But you see, the good part is both brothers received forgiveness and limitless grace from the father. The younger received it in the form of a party and the older in the form of a conversation. Now we can look at the father in this story. 
You see, the father that's present in this story isn't the type of father who sat back and expected his sons who had betrayed him to come begging and groveling for forgiveness, promising to never hurt him again, promising to do better the next day and the next day and the next day. That is not the father that's present in this story. You see, the father present in this story is the one that saw his son, the one that was waiting for his son to come home. And when he saw him in the distance, he ran to him. And when he got to him, he didn't say, you gotta say you're sorry? Where's that money? Can you pay me back? Come on, just a little bit, give me a dime. No, the father threw his arms around him, hugged him, kissed him, said, kill the fattened calf, we're throwing a party, let the neighbors know my son is home. Give him a robe, place it on him, that garment of honor, yep, my youngest son deserves this. Give him a ring, put shoes on his feet. My son who was lost is home. And, and the party starts and he's excited. And while this isn't in the text, this is how I imagine the father to be with his older son. He knows his older son's routine. His older son was the one that's faithful. He knows that he's gonna come in at a certain time. And I can just imagine the father in the party excited that his younger son is home and waiting for his older son, for both of his sons to be in the same place. Oh, the excitement. I can see him anticipating his arrival through the door and the time comes and goes and his older son is not there. I like to imagine this part is that when he's looking out the door, he sees out of the side, like out of his peripheral vision, his older son outside of the window. And so what does the father in this story do? He doesn't go out and say, what you doing out here? Come on, get inside, it's time to party. Like he doesn't do that. He says, hey, what's going on? And when his older son hurls harsh words at him and says, I'm angry, dad, I don't understand. This son wished us all dead, said that he means nothing to us. We mean nothing to him. And you threw him a party? And his dad says, yeah, I, I did. Because everything that I have had is and will always be yours, son. So come on, come join in the party. Come celebrate because the lost are found and that would be you too, son. Come on in and join the party. The father in this story is a kind, caring, graceful father. You see, and the good news that's in this story is that the father's response to both of his sons is the same. Yes, it may looked, have looked a little bit different. For the younger son, it was the party. For the older son, it was a conversation. But when I was reading and I kind of questioned and I wondered and I was asking, why would the father have two different responses that show the same kindness, care, love, and grace? Why would he do that? And it was just this feeling that I had that it was a subtle reminder 
that God, our heavenly Father, knows us and he sees us and he knows exactly what to do to reconcile ourselves to him. Whether we need a party or a simple conversation, God is always extending that to us. And so as we've read, I think it's easy to identify ourselves as one of the sons in the story. So maybe you feel a bit like you're a younger son. Maybe you have betrayed the father in your heart and in your mind with your words. Maybe, maybe you have squandered your money and you're hoping to return to your father, not as a child, no, you couldn't fathom that, but as a servant. To bring this to our time in our day and age and in language that we may understand better, what this could look like in our lives today if you're a younger son could be not having a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know of Jesus. Maybe this is your first time in a church or your first time in a long church and you've just been living for yourself and living for the things in this world that are supposed to bring you happiness. Or you could look like a younger son if you have stepped away from your daily walk with Christ. Maybe you haven't fully left, but in your heart, you're just like, yeah, I don't know. The things of this world, what my friends are doing, the life that they live looks better, looks more exciting. Maybe it's you are walking the walk, but daily you're not living in the way of Christ. All of these situations are ways in which we can identify as the younger brother in our lives today. Or maybe you feel like you're the older son. You've betrayed the father in your heart, in your mind, with your words. Maybe you've put up blocks and barriers to keep yourself outside of the party. In our world today, this could be seeing God work in the lives of other people, and yet you stand and you question, when is my time coming? God, I see you working in that person's life, but what about me? I've been faithful. Do you see me? Do you know me? Do you hear me? It could be seeing people who have gone away from Christ and lived a life that you wouldn't ever dream of, and yet they come back to Christ and people around you are celebrating, and yet you're still like, that's not fair. Man, that's radically not fair. I've been here and I have been faithful. Where's my party? I can't celebrate with you. You've done unspeakable, horrible, awful things. You know, it's been a rough year. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm not just talking about elections. It just seems like, yes, those things didn't help. But it's been really hard. My husband and I were talking the other day and pregnancy hormones are definitely real. And I was just, I was just sobbing. And I just said, it seems like the world is so mean these days. It seems like even those in the church are rude and hurtful 
and we look and we manipulate each other. And it looks like as if we don't even know Jesus at all based upon our actions. We are so quick to form opinions and become angry and refuse to see the other side. And that builds a resentment in our lives. And ultimately that resentment starts with other humans, but then we turn that anger and that resentment and we place that on God. And this is how church, I see a lot of the older brother in us today. It's when we embrace these feelings of anger and resentment and we allow them to take foundation in our lives that we become the older son. So no, no matter who you identify with more in this story though, the good news for you is the same good news that was present for the sons in this story. And it's that the love, care, forgiveness, and limitless grace of the Father is for you and it is for me. Earlier I questioned, and we talked a lot about betrayal. And I began to ponder and think about why do we have such a hard time with betrayal? And I honestly think that we have a hard time dealing with deep hurt, the deep hurt of betrayal, because in our humanity, in our flesh, we desire justice. But we desire the flawed justice of, if someone hurt me, they deserve to hurt just the same as me. Or if someone did something so awful, maybe if they don't hurt the same way, at least they have to know the level in which they caused me pain. But when we come to Christ, we're called to no longer live in that humanity. We're called to live in the kingdom of God. And in order to live in the kingdom of God, we need to learn to accept the limitless grace. And it's hard though, because when we accept the limitless grace, we have to understand that the Father is always extending that same limitless grace to other people. And it may not look the same as your situation, but like the father who saw his son who had betrayed him and he ran to him, or like the father who saw his son who needed a simple conversation and walked to him and talked with him. That limitless grace is for everyone and the father is always extending it. It's free and it's limitless and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And the hard thing about accepting it is that once you accept it, you can't place limitations on the grace of God for others in the way in which he chooses to extend his limitless grace to others as freely as it was given to you, you must allow it to be freely given to others. And oftentimes 
we have to be conduits of that limitless grace. And that's when it gets hard. And that's when it gets tough is when people that you think are undeserving of that, you have to remember if they're undeserving in that mindset, so are you. And so that's why we can't place limits on it. We have to accept it and let that bring the joy in our hearts, but then we have to joyfully give it away. We can't hold it with a tight fist. We have to open our hands and say, it's yours too. To my younger brother, it's yours. To the older brother, it's yours. You see, so maybe you found yourself in this parable as the younger brother. Now you may think, yeah, I've identified myself. I really do feel like a younger brother. What should I do? Well, I want you to be encouraged today that God, your father, is awaiting your return. He sees you, he knows you. And guess what? If you're already feeling that stirring as the younger brother in your life, God's already on his way to you. He's running to you with a robe and a ring and a shoes, ready to throw his arms around you and give you a kiss and throw you a party and say, guess what? I'm so excited. You're home. You were lost and you are now found. I thought you were dead, but you were alive. Let us celebrate. Or maybe you found yourself in the parable as the older brother. Maybe some of what I said challenged or sparked something in you where you're like, yeah, maybe I do have a little anger, hurt, resentment building in my life. There's this refusal to forgive that's under the surface. What I have to say to you is just take a deep breath. Know that your father sees you. Yes, he ran to your brother, but he is walking to you ready for a conversation with the same love, care, forgiveness, and limitless grace that he extended to the younger brother. He is walking towards you to talk with you to have that same conversation. He knows that it's hard to be living in our world today. He knows that it's not super easy to not get angry and resentment is an emotion that can really deteriorate every aspect of your life. But he wants you to put that aside and join in on the celebration. Don't stand outside the party anymore. Don't become angry. Don't refuse to forgive, even though you may not understand, he can have the conversation to help you understand. But he is here for you and he wants you inside the party to join in the celebration. Because when you join in, you are also a part of the lost that has been found and part of the dead that is now alive. But maybe you're sitting in your seat and you're thinking, sure, I can identify a time in my life when I was the younger brother, or yep, 
You've definitely pinpointed a season of my life where I was the older brother, but I'm not really there right now. So what does this story, what does this parable mean to me? And congratulations, you picked the hardest one. Yay, right? Because if you're not the younger brother or the older brother, you are on your way to becoming the father. Theologian and author Henry Nouwen wrote in his book on the prodigal son, I am the younger son, I am the elder son, and I am on my way to becoming the father. And this is a beautiful quote. It's a challenging quote because this means if you're sitting here and you can't identify with the younger brother or the older brother, and if you've chosen to follow Christ with your life, then every day we are on our journey to becoming the father and not the father or the twisted sense of the word father that we can sometimes have in our world today, the one that demands the groveling and begging for forgiveness. No, that's not the father that we've learned from in this story. The father that we've learned from in this story that we are trying to become more like every single day is the one that extends love, care, forgiveness, and limitless grace. And unfortunately, there's not gonna ever be a time that I think we fully become like the Father in our time here on earth. But every day we can wake up with intentions to try, to celebrate our friends who have disrespected their community, disrespected their parents, disrespected whomever it may be, and they come back and we celebrate them and we throw them parties. When our friends are going through a super hard time and we extend a simple conversation and listen to what's going on in their lives and their hearts, even if they don't live a lifestyle that you agree with, extending the love, care, forgiveness, and limitless grace of the Father's ways in which we can become the Father. I could go on listing ways in which we could be more like the Father, and, but I think the best way for you to do that now is to take some time and examine your own life. Whenever I speak, whether it's here or with students, or you know, even in my classes, I always wanted to end in a way that's practical, that gives you time to think about your life, where you are today, and how to become more like Jesus for the rest of today, but carry it into tomorrow. So Jared's gonna play the keys, and we have some questions that are gonna go up on the screen that will help you, and as we take a few minutes to contemplate our lives and identify maybe who we are in the story or how we can become more like the Father. So for some, it might be a little uncomfortable to sit in quiet and in silence, but that's okay. Just, just give it a shot. Um, you can sit and you can ask yourself these questions Maybe you're a journaler, you have your pen and paper ready to go and you can journal out these thoughts or answer these questions. 
maybe you like to type out prayers on your phone, there is no right or wrong way to let the Holy Spirit work in and through you during this time. So I'd encourage you guys as we just sit for a few minutes and think about this story, be encouraged that whether you find yourself as the younger son or the older son, we're all on the journey in this room to becoming the father 